Are you interested in learning more about how to start your Salesforce career? Be sure to register for our next live webinar showing you exactly how the Salesforce Career Development Program works, our latest statistics, and up-to-date information about what's going on in the Salesforce ecosystem. To register now, head over to talentstacker.com forward slash live. That's talentstacker.com forward slash L-I-V-E. We look forward to seeing you on the next live webinar. I have friends that keep saying it's a pyramid scheme, right? People tell me it's a cult and I'm like, yeah, but it's a cult that's paying good money. So you should really get in on it. Hi, I'm Anita Smith. I'm Bradley Rice. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to the Salesforce, Salesforce for Everyone podcast. In today's show, our guests share the dramatic changes that joining a not quite cult has brought to their lives. The people around me, my family, my friends, they notice the big difference in how I'm able to live my life and they want that too. Also, Brad explains the value in having a specialized background pre-Salesforce. Think about people going into work as Salesforce professionals in nonprofit consulting for nonprofits, and you come from a nonprofit background. Do you see how massive that is for the employer? Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Salesforce for Everyone podcast. In today's episode, we are going to have a couple of special guests on. And we're going to be covering the topic of coming from a nonprofit background and transitioning into a Salesforce career. So we're going to go through a lot of the nuances and the transferable skills and a whole lot of other topics. And with me to cover this today, as always, I have Anita Smith. How's it going, Anita? Hey, it's going pretty well. How about yourself? Things are good. I think kind of like we were talking about before the show today, we we live within about an hour of each other and we've gotten a ton of rain in the last couple of days. So it's been uh, it's been fun working through that. And I know you kind of live off the beaten path similar to us. So we're dealing with today, right before the show, I was shoveling out chicken pens. They got way too much water in them and they just needed a nice refresh. So yeah, that's what I'm up to. Oh, Fun. Yeah. Apparently I live in the rainforest. Apparently I'm lakefront now. Lakefront nice. property. Great. You should put it up for sale like right now. <laughs> I'm really worried as we're recording right now, the frogs are so loud and there must be like a hundred outside right now. But yeah, aside from the rain, I did get some exciting news. I found out I am going to Dreamforce for the first time ever. So really excited about that. <laughs> Is that through work? Is like employer paying your way, all that fun stuff? Yeah, really crazy thing that happened. <laughs> so my client told my boss that he would extend the contract if my boss sent me to Dreamforce, which is awesome because normally he doesn't send me to Dreamforce because Dreamforce is really expensive. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. That is good news. I think I'll make it year probably 13 in a row in the ecosystem of not making it to Dreamforce this year. <laughs> I like the smaller like get together events where I can try to possibly talk to everyone and still can never do it. Yeah, you're definitely a social butterfly. I think the last one, you didn't even attend any sessions. You just hung out and talked to people the whole time. That's my game plan again. <laughs> <laughs> Every dream and event, I go to no sessions. All right, all right. Enough small talk. Fine. We have guests Fine. today. <laughs> Let's go ahead and introduce them. I'll introduce Megan Malone Franklin. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thanks for joining. And our other special guest, Tracy Braun. Welcome. Thanks so much. It's going to be so much fun. All right. Awesome. Well, let's jump in. Thank you both for joining us today. And I think I'll just start. Whoever wants to go first, just jump in, raise your hand, whatever you want to do. And I think the common question 
really when anyone's transitioning from a non-tech related, non-Salesforce background into a, a new career, I guess, how did you decide on Salesforce? Like of all the things in the world that you could have transitioned into, what made you decide on being a Salesforce professional? That's going to be my thing. I'll jump in. So I have a 20-year career actually in the nonprofit industry and I was working with databases, so it wasn't something unfamiliar to me, you know, things like Razor's Edge, which I'm sure many nonprofit people just perk their ears up on. But I was looking at a transition. I was frustrated with the number of hours I was putting in. I was frustrated with the expectations. They just weren't meeting what I needed them to meet. So I was looking about and I happened to hear you on a podcast, Bradley, and then you, Anita. And so I thought, well, this might be a good fit. So when I had the opportunity to jump from a contract, I decided to jump into Talent Stacker. And as they say, the rest is history. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I love that. I'm glad that you heard us. That's why we go speak as guests on podcasts to hopefully be able to spread the word out to the non-Salesforce ecosystem, right? Because we see so many people, the Salesforce professionals in general, love to tell other Salesforce professionals how great Salesforce is. So we like to spend time talking to people who have never heard of it before. So how about you, Megan? What made you choose Salesforce? Yeah, so I spent about 10 years in nonprofits before making the move. Like Tracy, we have like a very similar path here. Also was on the more data e side of things, but never anything technical, always as an end user. But, you know, the person on the team that was like the one that knows how to pull reports, the one that knows how to do budget forecasting and all that stuff. And very much very similar to Tracy as well, just feeling a little stuck and frustrated. And I felt like there wasn't really a good way forward because I really didn't want to become like a major gift officer or a grant writer or a programs director or anything like that. And it felt like those were the main kind of ways to advance. And so I was kind of beating myself up about it. Honestly, I was feeling it was hard. And I don't know, Tracy, if you've had this experience too, but I've talked to a lot of other people who have that like there can be really toxic workplaces in nonprofits. And we don't like to talk about that because we're doing good in the world. And it's right, like it's known as a more like soft and fuzzy industry. But yeah, it can be really, really tough. And so I was feeling very just kind of bogged down. And like I had to like gather everything in me to like try to figure out what was going to be next. And very luckily, you know, learned about Salesforce when my team was sort of very casually exploring maybe some other database options. And that was a couple of years before I made the move. I ended up coming across Salesforce just randomly, sort of like online and seeing the five day challenge. And I was like, wow, I wish I had known about this like five years ago would have been great. So very happy to have made the move. Oh, that's awesome. I did a little snooping on both of you. It's been a while since we chatted, but on your LinkedIn profiles, I, I was surprised like you guys have almost identical timelines with joining Talent Stacker program. And within five to six months landing your first role, I thought it was interesting that it looks like both of you landed at consultancies. Do these consultancies specifically focus on nonprofit or they do a little bit of everything? Uh, no, ours is completely 100% working with nonprofits. And I was really lucky that I passed my certification exam, hadn't even gotten to the point of starting to look for a job because I actually had surgery and was trying to recover. And my boss actually reached out to me and I got that position without doing any major interviews. And it was all based on the background that I had in nonprofit. Like that's really what he was looking for was that transferable skills. I had a background in consultancy uh, work, so I knew how to work as a consultant. And one of my real strengths that I bring to the table is when I'm talking to clients, 
I can really honestly say that I've been in their shoes because one of my last big projects was managing uh, tech build. And so I, I know what they're feeling. I know what their concerns are when it comes to things like budgets or how are they going to manage it. And so the empathy and the understanding is really why it's pushed my career forward so quickly in the tech space. That's huge. I think it's a really important point for anyone transitioning from any background. There are these specialties, right? Because what I like to say is Salesforce is industry agnostic. And a lot of people get wrapped up in this idea that, oh, no, there's a recession and it's a potentially a white collar recession and there's tech layoffs. And it's like, they start thinking, oh, well, then that means there won't be Salesforce jobs because Salesforce is a tech job. And it's like, that sounds so logical. Like all these things in the world that sound so logical and they're not true because Salesforce professionals work in, I mean, honestly, every industry. So when you look at coming from other backgrounds, you could work in finance, you could work in healthcare, you could work in software, technology, you could work in any industry and be a Salesforce professional. And so I say all that to say, it's really interesting what you pointed out there. And I hope people are hearing that, that your background is not only transferable, but it's often desirable because we see this, especially with nonprofit, healthcare, education. I mean, healthcare, think about people going into work as Salesforce professionals and hospital systems, and they come from a healthcare background. And in your case, working in nonprofit consulting for nonprofits, and you come from a nonprofit background, do you see how massive that is for the employer? If I'm hiring someone and I only work with nonprofit clients, or even if a nonprofit client is just part of our specialty and it's not all that we do, it's just part of what we do, that's still huge to have someone come in with a certification and an understanding of Salesforce lingo and the ecosystem and how functionality works, plus be able to adapt quickly into the clients that we work with. I mean, it's not, again, going back, like just to harp on it, it's not just valuable transitional skills, transferable skills. It's actually extremely desirable. So I'm really glad you pointed that out. I just want to echo the extremely desirable. Both of you have incredible experience in the nonprofit world. And I, I'm looking at your timelines. Y'all are very modest. Okay. Megan, you're a senior consultant. And like, you've been working, what, one year? Yeah. <laughs> you jump from regular consultant to senior consultant one year. And then Tracy, you're so quiet about this. I just recognized on your LinkedIn, you're a director now? What? what? Can you talk about your, your journey and how that happened? Um, What, a year and a half or a little bit longer that you've been working? So I started at DTG in October of 2021. So not quite two years yet. Yeah. So again, the transferable skills, I, in the nonprofit sector, I was everything from a coordinator right through to the executive director of three senior centers at the same time. And like Megan, when I was looking at what I was going to do, there was really few choices, but they were going to be at the director or the executive director or CEO level. So moving into Salesforce was a bit of a risk. I started at the consultant level, you know, sort of that junior consultant, base level consultant. But even then, my salary was more than I would have made as a director. So yay, nonprofit salaries. Yes. So I moved from consultant to senior consultant within the first year based on how we do things at our company. And last month, I, well, I guess this month, I announced that I've moved into a director role. So I'm the director of customer success, which means I'm actually overseeing the other delivery teams and making sure that the quality is there for our customers. And again, that's all based on the background that I brought from the nonprofit sector, because those are things that I did in community roles, in director roles there. It's just the same transferable skills over here. Wow. 
So how about you, Megan? You, you've got to tell us your story too. Like we can't just let Tracy have all the, <laughs> all the attention here. <laughs> Party for Tracy though. That's amazing. <laughs> yes. Congrats, Tracy. That, yes, that's incredible. Big, yeah. That's huge. Thank you. Thank you so much. But Megan, you're amazing too. Come on, let's talk about your amazingness. <laughs> Megan and I do know each other through the community and, and been celebrating each other's successes. So yeah, Megan, share your story. That's really fun. Yeah. So I landed in consulting very purposefully as I was kind of exploring what the options would be. As I was kind of saying earlier, I was not married to the idea of staying in nonprofit for a number of reasons. And Tracy just hit a big one on the head, which is money which is another thing that does kind of get talked about. Like that's an easy thing to talk about with nonprofits, just like it is with some other, you know, like teaching and things like that. It's like a kind of a running joke, but it is very serious. It's a big problem. The burnout, like it's not just like young people that are getting these jobs out of college and then moving on to something else. Like there are people in their careers that are chronically underpaid, right? And we know that effects that has long-term, right? Not only like retirement savings and all of that, but also like ego and just like, your self-identity, self-worth. So there's so much baked into that. So yeah, I was not married to the idea of staying in nonprofits, but I was very curious about consulting because I had heard that that was a way that you could learn a lot really quickly because you would be exposed to multiple different organizations. You'd be seeing how different organizations use Salesforce to accomplish the same task, but do it in different ways or using the same tool within Salesforce to do something completely different. And I was very intrigued by that. I was hungry for new things I'd been doing. Um, I don't know about you, Tracy, but like in the job I was at before this, every day looked the same, every week looked the same, every month was the same, every year was the same. And I was in that job for several years, which gets to be a lot. Um, and so I, the idea of variety and like working on a project for a while and then getting to work on a different project and getting to meet new people, um, not just always working with the same internal team, but having new clients that you're you know, sort of cycling through, that was very interesting to me. I also have a background as a doula, which is a form of consulting, I would say. <laughs> um, but the sort of like emotional aspect of that and like helping to guide people through an experience that's extremely intense, right? And childbirth and pregnancy and postpartum and all of that lends itself very well to Salesforce <laughs> consulting as well, because it is like Tracy said, like this is a hard position to be in at a nonprofit that's you know, implementing Salesforce for the first time or like doing a big enhancement project to their existing org or something like that. Like it's really intense. It's very emotional for people. And since we know they're working in nonprofits, we know that a lot of times the work they're doing at their nonprofit already is a lot more emotionally loaded than, at, you know, other types of industries and companies out there. So that was another reason that I was interested. And I think a reason why I've enjoyed a lot of success here because the relationships that you build with your clients, like that trust building is such a huge part of having a successful project. And I think that the being in your shoes, the like I've been the gift processor, right? Like I understand why we need this functionality and like the way it's happening for you right now is not going to work. And, you know, I'm, I don't need you to explain all of that to me because I've been there. And I understand how stressful this is. Um, I want to be able to help guide you through it in a way that's going to feel really comfortable and help people to have the success long term. That's amazing. Megan, too, like even just using the, the right language, the right understanding of how processes work. Like I remember saying once in one of my meetings, we need to look at the pre and post tasks 
And they just sat up. It's like, oh, they understand what we're saying. Or we need to look at how the gift cycle goes, or we need to talk about grants in a different way. So it really, it shows to the clients, it shows to the people we're working with that we're not here just because we're consultants. We're here because we're consultants that work with nonprofits and understand it. And that makes such a huge difference. And just a huge shout out to all the people that we are working with on the other side who are still in nonprofits that are, you know, saying, we want to do this too. We want to get engaged in this. Like, it's such a a huge thing to see people get excited about technology and be able to support that. Amazing. I, I have a question. You don't have to share numbers, but I was always unsure, you know, if you go focus in nonprofit sector within the Salesforce ecosystem, is the salary the same as admin jobs at regular consultancies that kind of focus all over the place? I feel like you should tell us because I don't know what those other numbers are, but I can tell you. I what? Bradley sends out a monthly email. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> That's true. It's not consulting specific, though. I don't know how different <laughs> admin and consulting jobs are. But I started, I got several offers when I was first interviewing and they ranged from about 70,000 to 90,000. And then my promotion put me at 115. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. Okay, that's exactly the same. Yeah, I'm right in the same area. You know, that was my experience coming from a consulting background. Typically, the companies, it wasn't as specialized as it is today. Like, I mean, we're not talking about forever ago. I mean, the industry changes so fast. We're talking five years ago, there weren't really nonprofits not like there are today, or I should say consultancies focused on nonprofit. Even mid-sized consultancies had a nonprofit arm, right? They just had a group that typically worked with nonprofits. And I remember looking at the data and nonprofits were one of the most, if not the most profitable sector that they worked with. It just seemed like the money, and you guys know way more about this than I do, but the money was more predictable as far as when they had funds to do a major project or a major enhancement. It was just like a wall of money came and the salesperson could just go in and be like, hey, we, we know you have a wall of money. So let's talk about the next enhancement we can do. Hate it or love it. That was the reality. And yeah, I haven't seen really any space that you know a lot of people ask about that. They ask like, oh, well, I work in nonprofit in Salesforce, so I'm going to make a lot less. And I've never seen any data that really differentiates anyone based on their industry that they work in or anything like that, which is, it's really interesting. It's just the value of the Salesforce skills combined with that background. I would even argue when you have transferable skills, like the level of skills we're talking about today, you end up making more than the typical person who transitioned in maybe from college or you know something that doesn't have an industry specific skill set that's assigned to it. So all that being said, I know... You spoke about this some, but I was wondering if you had anything to add. You spoke quite a bit about your expectations of a Salesforce career compared to what you were experiencing in your nonprofit work. And a little bit about the toxicity, a little bit about the inability to progress, potentially the inability to make more income or a higher title or anything in between. You just felt like you were up against a barrier and it might take you know, we see this in a lot of other industries. It might take 10 years to get a promotion or 15 years to get a promotion. Compared to the expectations that you came in with, like how much money I was going to make, uh, my ability to be promoted, my ability to work from home and have a little bit more autonomy around my schedule and things like that. Have your expectations been met? I guess, have there been things that definitely 100% to check the box you were expecting? And has there been anything that maybe didn't check the box that you were hoping it would? I'd say in some ways it exceeded expectations. 
you know, I recognize that not all nonprofits are toxic. I really want to put that out there. But I also know that there's a lot in the nonprofit sector that contributes to the challenges you just talked about, Bradley. I mean, one of them, the ripple effects of not having good salaries means that people at the top can't leave in a timely fashion. And so those that are coming up from behind have to wait until gaps appear so that they can move up. We don't see that, or I'm not seeing that in the Salesforce sector as much. I'm also seeing that because there's so many different places you can bring your skills, if I wasn't feeling that this was a comfortable place, the company I'm working at, I would be able to move very easily in nonprofit, that happens, but there's not really a salary bump associated with that. And again, there's not a lot of places to move in the higher levels. So I would say those are, are major factors, major changes. But in terms of, you know, what I was expecting, I have, you know, I want to say like 100%, but nothing is ever 100%, 99.9 in my current role. And I can't believe how amazing it is. I have the flexible schedule that I was looking for. I have an amazing team that I work with. I'm heard. And that's such a huge thing to be heard. When you're struggling, you can ask for help and there's no shame associated with that. You can actually get your needs met. You can learn. There's a really, again, a learning culture here. So you want people to be able to learn. And we actually, um, there's a number of talent stackers that I work with, and we've created our own study groups within the company to continue that learning journey. So yeah, in terms of where my expectations met, I would say they were exceeded. I, I keep having to pinch myself to tell myself that this is actually true, that I didn't fall through some rabbit hole somewhere and it's all going to you know burst in when I wake up. It's actually true that you can move into this career. You can do amazing work for amazing organizations, be able to pay your bills and, and not worry. You know, and it sounds facetious, but, you know, as a nonprofit, there were a number of times where I was like, am I going to be able to pay this bill this month? And the people around me, my family, my friends, even those who have decided to move into Salesforce as well, they are doing that because they, they notice the big difference in how I'm able to live my life. And they want that too. I absolutely love it. Like the life-changing impact of these careers, like that's what I live for. Like that's the whole reason Talent Stacker exists is because of latching onto how life-changing it was. And that was my experience, right? Like I wanted to be a high school economics teacher or a financial advisor. It was one or the other because I love personal finance and I love teaching and educating and seeing people's eyes light up when they find out. For me, it was like economics. I could go teach high school kids how much you really pay when you get a 30-year mortgage on a $200,000 house and what it really amortizes out to and those kind of things. And for their eyes just to light up and go, oh my gosh, it's not what I thought. And just those big compelling moments of realization. And now I've been so fortunate to be able to work my way back around to getting to do that anyway, right? And to your point, Tracy, I like have to pinch myself and go, really? Like, really? I got to work this incredible career that I didn't even know about in high school, no guidance counselors talked about it. I didn't hear about it in college. Nobody was talking about Salesforce careers. And I was just so fortunate to land in a role and, of course, took advantage and really leaned in when that opportunity was presented. But the fortune of just finding it and getting interviewed and landing a job that I truly did not deserve was really incredible. And then just to look up 10, 12 years later and be at a point of financial independence because I was never supposed to make this much money. I was never supposed to be able to work from home and like all these things coming together. It really is incredible. So I have a note here because I, I used to say this more, but people saying that the talk track, and maybe it's because I'm not a good salesperson, that the talk track behind the life of a Salesforce or the chain, the life change of a Salesforce career sounded too good to be true. Like when you talked about 
you get to work from home a lot. And a lot of people travel and they don't take PTO and they do work. They're not like not working. They get their work done and then they go enjoy their time. And we get to make way more money than the average average household income, honestly, but get down to per capita income and it's blown beyond measure. And people just think it can't be true. Like it's a lie. And I don't know what the lie is, but it can't be true because it does sound like some kind of like ad you would see on an infomercial about just how amazing it is. I have friends that keep saying it's a pyramid scheme, right? It must be. <laughs> Was that our first episode? Is this an MLM? <laughs> People tell me it's a cult and I'm like, yeah, but it's a cult that's paying good money. So you should really get in on it. Great benefits, <laughs> yeah. you know? That's a really good benefit to this cult. No, I, I remember checking to make sure our cult's always like negative. Like, is it always a negative intention? Because we might just be like a positive cult, but it turns out, I think per the definition, they're usually up to something. So it's too bad because we could be a legit cult. <laughs> Yeah, to this day, I'm still just like, I can't believe this is real. I mean, my fiance was like, I, I can't believe like, <laughs> he made me laugh the other day because I was asking for a raise <laughs> from my boss. And he was like, I haven't asked my boss for a raise in five years. And he would laugh in my face if I asked for one. He's not in tech. He's a blue collar job um, home inspector. I was going to but... say, does he work in nonprofit? <laughs> <laughs> not to pick on nonprofits, but like. <laughs> I was told by a board member once that I wouldn't see a raise at the nonprofit until the funder gave us more funding. That's the reality, right? If If there's no money, there's no money and it's not going to happen. And it so plays into like equity, right? Like that, how do you get the funders to like you enough to give you that much money, right? Like white supremacy is all wrapped up in this. Like there are so many, it's so complicated. That's a whole nother episode. Shout out to Vu Lee about his work on that. (laughs) Be sure to listen in on the next episode where we dive in on. (laughs) So there was something else that stood out, a couple of things you mentioned. I just wanted to point out, I'm not going to harp on it. You said there's no shame in not knowing. I don't know if people realize what a big deal that is. Like that made me feel so good when you said that because it's true. And I don't think I realize it enough or like take the time to really actualize that reality that that's not real in other spaces and to be able to. And I see that a lot. Like we see that a lot in alumni. They'll go to their jobs and then they'll come back sort of scared and they'll ask us what to do. Like I just got my first assignment and I'm not sure what to do. And we're like, you can ask your manager. And they're like, I don't want to look dumb. And it's not like that. You're new. And it's going to be okay. And you're going to ask questions and they're going to support you and it's going to be all right. The other thing I wanted to touch on was over at DTG, do you know how many talent stackers are over there now? I feel like, I mean, how many people were, what percentage of the company is a talent stacker alumni at this point? I'd have to actually sit down and do the math, but it's quite large. Yeah, because we keep hiring people. So I keep having to do the count again. (laughs) Oh, that's so interesting. I, I like how you said percentage because I heard at another big consultancy firm, I think there might be up to 20 now, but percentage wise, it might not be that big. Percentage, we're definitely over 20. Oh my God. Amazing. (laughs) It's like everywhere you go. Again, we bring that that culture of change, that culture of excitement. I love that that our founder, you know, embraces that. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for people who have transferable skills, who have experience in nonprofit, who understand how the nonprofit ecosystem works. And then, you know, we can train the Salesforce because Salesforce changes all the time too. I mean, one big thing we're now looking at is the new nonprofit cloud that's just coming out. And that's part of my role is is helping us as a company adjust to what the new nonprofit cloud looks like. We can train that, but it's the experience and the understanding of the nonprofit sector that you need time and you bring that to the company when you move in that we can't train you. You have to bring it with you. So 
I'm going to assume all the talent stackers that joined came from a nonprofit background? Bulk of them, yes. The bulk of them have some experience in nonprofit and, you know, varying levels of experience. I haven't found anyone. I mean, Megan's, you said 10 years, I've got 20. Um, That's unusual. Most people at that point have decided to be long haulers in the nonprofit sector. Interesting. And then you talked about training and learning. I know there is a nonprofit cert, but when you guys were first pivoting, did you only have the admin cert and land the role? Yes. Okay. No, I didn't. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I knew I wanted to go into nonprofit consulting. So I made that a priority to get that cert before I started applying. Nice. Okay. So you had two certs, the admin and the nonprofit. And that is why you, you also happened to have, you said multiple offers. Yeah. I don't know if the offers were from certs though, or just, you know, the experience, like we're talking about so much, you know, transferable skills and not just that, but like the actual, like I've been there, done that. I understand where the clients are coming from. That's fair. And the nonprofit was the second one I got, you know, it made sense to do that. I had started to study it, but I didn't even get a chance to write any exams before I got my job. But it was. Could you guys hold off on these offers? I need to, I need to get one more certification if you don't mind. I had just <laughs> had surgery too. So I was in a cast and was expecting to have four weeks off. And instead I was trying to do my talent stacker project and interview for this job. So it was just, it was good. It worked. It worked. I wasn't even out of the cast from surgery before I started. <laughs> I, I want to take a moment because I think the the vibe of this episode, the the vibe of everyone is, do you hear like how happy everyone is and how joyful everyone is at this moment, right? And it's because we're looking back now, right? Because we're looking back at that journey and we know how the story ends. And it's so much easier to think in that way and, and to laugh about, haha, I was going to get my surgery, I had surgery or whatever else. And I landed a job and look at that. Now, I, I want to sort of pivot on that because I know the reality of people who are listening to this episode, right? And we all do because Anita and I live it from a coaching perspective and we get secondhand emotion constantly. Like I would say probably the biggest thing about being in the position that we're in for me, at least, Anita may have a different opinion. The biggest, I would say, downside, if there is a downside to any of this, is the secondhand emotion of people who are trying to change a major change in their life and they're going through that and it's a roller coaster, right? So we deal with scared people, a lot of fear. Fear is a major emotion that we're dealing with. And that sometimes that can result in anger. Sometimes that can result in sadness and just that struggle because we don't know how the story ends yet. And I think Anita and I, we know how the story's very likely going to end because we see the stats and we see the data and we get to sit on this point and look down as the coaches and go, hey, we know how this is going to end. It's inevitable if you just keep moving forward. So I would like to take a moment to empathize with the reality of the people who are trying to still in that transitionary phase. What would you say to those individuals who they hear it in our voices right now, how amazing this is, and they want it so bad? What's your advice to the people who are still in that moment of transition and they're not here, they're not happy, and they haven't gotten to the finish line yet? Like, what, what is that core guidance? I think for me, it's a little cliche, but like mindfulness, notice what's coming up, notice those feelings. You don't have to know how it ends. You decided you want to do this, you know something about it, you have sort of an idea of how you hope it will end, but you don't need to have all of that fleshed out or know when it's going to happen in order to just keep taking small steps forward as often as you can. You know, I struggled during the time period from when I joined Talent Stacker to when I got that job. I really struggled with 
what was going on in my life. You know, there were, there were endings. I was really concerned. Could I actually pivot? I'm older than your average talent stacker. I had a long career in nonprofit. Am I taking the wrong step? But there were a number of things that just pushed me forward where I had to do this. So I, I do remember it. I don't take that lightly either. And yes, I, I'm so happy and, and so grateful to where I've landed, but I don't take that lightly. And I always turn around and help the next person. And what I look at is I'm holding the ladder for who comes next. And I actually have two people very close to me who are likely listening to this episode at some point. One was in a similar place, was trying to find the job. And I remember how struggling it was for them. And one is still looking as of today, and it is a struggle. And so I can see it firsthand how much the change comes when you do find it. But it does take grit, it does take perseverance, and you just have to keep your eyes on moving forward because turning around and moving back is not an option. Yeah, as you were saying that, Tracy, I was thinking back too. I definitely don't mean to make it sound like this was a piece of cake because <laughs> it definitely wasn't. And there were a lot of times where I was like, I don't know if I'm ever really going to understand <laughs> like how all this stuff really works. But the other fear I had going through this from a nonprofit background specifically was like, I don't care about sales. Like, am I going to have to like start to care about that in order to like be successful here or like find a job? Cause like, I don't want to do that. And so I think giving myself the permission, first of all, finding out that like there are jobs in nonprofit or like related closely to nonprofits with Salesforce was huge. And learning that it was like, okay, cool. Like, I'm not going to pretend I like the other stuff. <laughs> like, it's okay not to care about it. It's okay not to like dive headed to like marketing cloud or whatever. Um, not that, you know, nonprofits benefit from that too. But like being able to just say like, it's okay. Like, it's okay if I stick in this arena that I'm familiar with and not try to force myself into something that I'm not. Oh, so many feels right now. Yeah, you guys are incredible. Like you, you can just hear it. Like you're very good people which are our favorite kinds of people. Um, <laughs> and I think just hearing that, that it's not, and, and I always try to say, I, I try to correct myself if I ever use the word easy, because it's not easy. I think the path is clear. It's reasonably clear, but it's not easy. There can be a clear path forward to achieving something. And that doesn't mean everybody's just going to jog down the path and have success immediately and give high fives and we're all just going to have a blast, right? It takes grit to sort of echo what's already been said. It does take that focus. And for some people, Anita, they walk in and they land the job and it's like it happens so fast, right? It just seems like boom, 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 job landed. And we see that. And I think some people see those stories and they go, wow, that's incredible. And some people see those stories and they go, but that's not me. Like, why isn't that happening to me? And we can compare ourselves time and time again to everyone around us. And we hyperfixate on the individuals who had the most success. And we forget that that's not normal. And that's why we try to share the averages every month, right? We, we try to draw attention to, yes, you probably saw a post about somebody who landed a job so fast. But the reality of it is, it's going to take five months, four to six months. And for some people, that might take nine months. And then a handful might do it in three, right? But the reality is, I think too, is that a lot of people see hey, land a job in six months. And they go, cool, that's awesome, right? Like I went to college for four years and that didn't pan out six months. I'll knock this out in a heartbeat. And then you find out six months is actually a fair amount of time. Like you got to be ready to stick it out for 180 days straight and you got to follow the process. And a lot of times we get 30 days in or 60 days in or 100 days in and we start 
going away. And we're like, well, I think I did. I got a lot of people, especially people get the admin certification. That is a key point where we see people, they're focused, they're focused, they're focused, they're focused, admin certification passed. And suddenly they feel like they can just take their own path forward and find success in some other way. And then we find out once again, the certification alone is not enough. And we try to harp on that so much. All right. So I would love to know, what is it that we haven't talked about? Like, what is it that you guys need to share? Yeah, Tracy, you're raising your hand. Well, I was just going to say that I'm sure you've heard of the concept of like 10,000 hours and that kind of idea of putting the energy in. So when we talk about moving into nonprofit, I think Megan and I both would agree on this. It wasn't six months. It was six months plus the 10 years before, plus 20 years before, plus all those other things. You know, I have all those experiences to draw on. I have a master's degree in community development. It's all those pieces that came together that kept me on the right path, right? So for someone who is a nonprofit and has that experience, it's not that you're starting at six months cold, you're starting at six months with all the experience you're bringing to it. And that's actually why I joined Talent Stacker. I didn't know how to move into a tech career. I I was sure I could pass an exam. I, I will tell myself that might've been true, but it would have taken me a lot longer. I didn't know how to do LinkedIn. I didn't know how to connect with people. And I wanted to get a job that was outside my local community because I wanted to be able to work remotely and travel and do those pieces. So I needed to have those skills and that support. And that's really what I got out of Talent Stacker immediately was how do I do this in a different way? And how do I build on what I've already got? Right. So I think for someone who's listening, like if you have the experience, this is where you get the support to build on that experience. Wow. Yeah. And I think a piece of that that we haven't touched on yet is the soft skills, which obviously are important in any job, right? And like people in all kinds of careers, you know, have soft skills to bring into this industry, but nonprofit people specifically, right? Because like so much of what we're doing is relationship building, whether that's in programmatic work, like actually serving communities or whether it's in building relationships with donors or the community members that are supporting the organization. There's so much of that there that comes into play no matter what kind of job you get in the Salesforce ecosystem. Like that's huge. And just like Tracy was saying, like we can teach you the Salesforce stuff. Like once you get in the job, like we will help you get your feet under you, but we can't teach you how to build trust, how to be a good teammate, right? Like all of those kinds of things that come from working in an environment where we are pulling things off by the skin of our teeth all the time, right? Like the scrappiness that sort of comes with that as well. All of that comes into play here. And hopefully in not as much, the pressure is less in a way, because we're not doing everything with nothing. There are more resources here, which is one reason why I'm also much happier. Just like Tracy talked about, like the benefits are better. I don't, you know, the time I spend working is so much more enjoyable. The people I work with are happier. Also, like not just me, my whole team is happier than any team I've ever worked with. So just keeping that in mind that like, it's not just the actual work you've done. It's the way you've done that work over the years that you've been working or learning or wherever, whatever type of nonprofit environment you've come from. So to summarize, if you have any nonprofit experience at all, That means you already have the soft skills, the transferable skills. You have the knowledge of how nonprofits work, and you obviously have the grit (laughs) from what it sounds like. So if anyone is out there listening and they want to get started with TalentStacker, head over to talentstacker.com forward slash start to take the five days challenge. And I want to reiterate this, y'all. Don't feel like you have to know everything about Salesforce. There's never going to be a point where you're like, oh, 
I understand it all. That's never going to come because the technology keeps advancing. There's always something new to learn. So just keep in mind, just keep learning day by day, one new thing, you'll be fine. Everyone in the Ohana is like super friendly. It's very common to ask for help. So don't don't be afraid to ask for help. I would just say on on all of that, my number one piece of advice at this point would be from what I see and what I experience with people trying to transition into Salesforce careers is focus on where you're headed. Focus on what you're going to accomplish. You will find a million plus people talking about why you can't or what's hard about something. And it's okay for things to be hard, but there are so many people that are wildly successful and you will be wildly successful. And you just have to focus on that reality. And if you can focus on that and you can wake up every morning and you can think about how you're going to be a Salesforce professional and you're going to pass whatever Salesforce certification exam you're currently working on. And when you get to that place where you have passed it and where you've landed a job, you are going to feel incredible. You're going to feel like the people on this podcast episode that you're listening to right now. And you're going to hear the smile on your face when you talk to other people around you. And that is going to be your reality. If you can focus on the fact that that is 100% true and that is going to be a reality, it makes this journey so much easier than waking up in the morning and thinking about how you might fail the exam and how you might fail it twice and how you might get denied at an interview and how that might happen 10 times over. Don't focus on all of that. Focus on the fact, the fact that you're going to go into an interview and the result of that interview is going to be someone giving you a job offer and it's going to change your life. And that is a reality. So this has been an incredible episode, an incredible, truly conversation with everyone here. I mean, I've really enjoyed the time that we've gotten to spend together. And I want to invite you, if there's anything you want to share, it could be about Salesforce, it could be about personal life, it could be about anything that you want to share that you feel like is meaningful. I would love to just invite you to share what whatever that is. If you don't have anything, that's fine. But if you do, go for it. I think one thing that really helped me in making this transition was the idea that I could interview the companies as much as they were interviewing me, which had not been the case in the past because I was always so much more anxious and like needed the job. And so being able to have the flexibility of doing this and taking my time. And we talked a lot about the grit that it takes to get through this program or any, you know, prepping for a Salesforce career in general. But I took a month and a half off in the middle of my time. Just it was around the holidays. I didn't want to be stressed out about like feeling pressured to like, oh, I haven't done any trailhead today, right? Like I didn't want to be like, you know, putting pressure on myself to study for another cert or whatever when I could be spending time with my family, which was such a luxury. I'm very lucky to have been in that situation. But I just had so much more confidence going into the interview process with the idea that I didn't want to get stuck in another toxic work environment. So again, like Tracy said, like not all nonprofits are toxic, definitely want to emphasize that. But like having just come from an environment that was very difficult emotionally, it was really important to me to make sure that just like all the wonderful things Tracy said about working at her company, like feeling that team support, being able to lean on each other, being able to learn together. All of that was really important to me. In addition to the work-life balance, which I feel like consulting in general kind of gets a bad rap for work-life balance. And every time I see somebody say something about that, I have to just like jump in like hashtag not all consulting firms. <laughs> like they're, they're all different. And really like asking specific questions to get to know about the culture, you know, it matters so much. 
And on top of that, when you find a fit that is a good fit, you don't have as much of that sensation of like, do I belong here? Right? Like I come from nonprofit, like, do I really belong in tech? Because when you find a good fit that honors where you come from, not just like, okay, cool, you'll do like, wow, Tracy, your background's amazing. Like, I want you here. You haven't even applied to my company, right? Like, I want to be able to recruit people like that. Finding a match, whether or not you actually get recruited without applying, um, matters so much because when you go to the first day of that job, you don't feel like I was lucky to get this, which like, sure you were, but like, also you deserve it, right? Like you put in your time, you've worked really hard. You've learned all kinds of things along the way. Yeah. It's really helpful to kind of approach it from that direction too. I think for me, one of the things I I didn't really think about now I'm looking back and thinking about it is it was a real mind shift to move from nonprofit to for-profit. And I know there were some people in my life who were really, really supportive. They could see that it was a good shift for me. They're really celebrating my successes. And then there's others for whom it's like that crab mentality, you got to pull them down. And so if you're going through this process, if you've decided this is the career you want, like Bradley said, look forward to the goal. But also expect that the people around you may not be the supportive people that you thought they were. And some people will turn out to be way more supportive than you thought and lean on those people. And also lean on the community. I mean, the Ohana is amazing. You know, we are here. We are here to support. We are here to help you find your role. There's always a role for someone in this. And so you're not alone, even if you're sitting and studying because you have to pass this exam and you've written it twice and you know it's all about passing and you've got to do it. You're still not alone. You can always jump on a call with someone and someone will walk you through what you need to know. Amazing advice right there. I want to just thank you, Megan. Thank you, Tracy, for coming on the podcast. Like This has been incredible. I don't know if anyone else listening has chills or like watery eyes, but thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to today's show. And we hope you are getting value out of the podcast. And if you are, if you wouldn't mind sharing with the people around you and go ahead and click subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. And this helps those platforms know and it helps us know that you're actually enjoying the shows that we're creating. We have really enjoyed this and we hope to see you at the next week's episode. And until then... Bye. Thank you for joining us today. To get started for free on your own Salesforce career, go to talentstacker.com forward slash start or check the show notes. There you'll find all the resources you need to start earning 60 to 80,000 in as little as eight months, no matter your education or career background. The Salesforce for Everyone podcast was produced by Edmund T and engineered by Andrew Mendonca. If you like what we do at this Scrappy Can Do podcast, please help others find us by leaving a five-star rating and a great review on whichever platform you're listening to us right now. See you next time.